0: This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Share Prosperity podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ford, Share Prosperity Kalamazoo coordinator for the city of Kalamazoo, joined always by the magnificent Millie Dakin. Hello. Title.
0: Neighborhood Business and Special Projects Coordinator.
1: Still figuring out the special. Still
0: projects. figuring out the special project. This
1: is a special project, <laughs> and and as such, we have a special guest on episode 19, Camilla Mitchell, from Rooted, Executive Director of Rooted, and we're just gonna jump right in. It's a great organization. Camilla is an amazing person, beautiful person, in and out and excited to have this conversation about what rooted is doing um its history and work in the community Mm -hmm. so without further ado welcome miss cameron mitchell welcome thank
2: you happy (laughs) to be here
1: sweet so with that talk about rooted what what is rooted
0: we
2: call ourselves an enrichment center and (coughs) we started with hoping to offer stress reduction, trauma reduction, and ease to women of color, black women. That's how we started. We've grown into quite a bit more than that over the past seven years. Um, We have three branches that we lean into, birth justice. We do work with black infant mortality, with Cradle Kalamazoo, a lot of partners in the organization. We have another branch we call Youth Enrichment, we offer yoga, meditation, mediation, and African, West African drum and dance to youth in the community. Um, incorporated through all that is social emotional learning always. And then our other branch is cultural enrichment and community wellness. So we do a lot of anti-racism work, a lot of connectivity work around cultural arts, yoga, pretty much whatever the or the community asks for, and if it's in alignment with our mission, we like to lean in and respond to it. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it started out around, um, it's just broadly speaking, the, that healthcare piece in terms of connecting with, with women of color and black women. How did the other branches emerge? Mm.
2: Me and my um, sister-cousin, Heather Mitchell, wrote a tiny little grant um, through the foundation with a fiduciary, and we just wanted to offer drum and dance and yoga to women of color because when we study and train, we would most often be the only women of color in the room. And so we were like, let's just offer this color-rooted queens. And it was so popular that we were approached by the CEO s- eight years ago of United Way, and he thought it would be really advantageous to continue the work. And so he suggested we get our. 501c3 and keep going at the same time i was getting into birth work i was a midwife assistant to a local home birth midwife and as part of mentoring and advising me she suggested even as a white woman that it would be great for us to encompass that work along with the drum and dance work and the yoga work because she said in african indigenous practices you don't compartmentalize and separate everything like we do in this culture So why not just remind women that if they're in tune with their bodies and they know how to move their pelvises and they are empowered, then they might have a better birth experience. So I was convinced by my advisory board when we were starting this org that it would all go together. So that's kind of how it happened. And right around that same time, Grace Lubwama came into the community and was starting um, the refocus on black infant mortality. And so it all just kind of organically came together.
1: Sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet.
0: Do we know, it might be helpful to talk about the infant mortality here in Kalamazoo County because maybe some of our listeners may not know about the rates that we have here mm-hmm. that are really high.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so for the past 30 years, they've been about th- black babies die three to four more times than the white babies in the community. For mm-hmm. 30 <coughs> years? For about 30 years. And it's fluctuated a bit uh-huh. in those 30 years, yeah. but it's never gotten down to... Less than that. Le- well, it was two to three yeah. more times, so a little bit less than that. But not but consistently. Never, no, and never to the baseline of white babies. No. Yeah. And that those stats even feed into highly educated um, and wealthy black women. It's the same stat. Yeah. And so the consensus is after a lot of talking in meetings and studies is that the root of it is, you know, social detriments to health mm-hmm. um, that ripple into when a woman has a baby. So if a woman is in a high level paying position, has a great job, great medical insurance, but deals with day-to-day stress in her job and day-to-day stress of being a black woman in white supremacist culture, she still will have more chance of having a low birth weight or complications um, so black woman mortality is just as high in the nation as black infant mortality is in our community
3: mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: so that makes me think a little bit about the back to sleep campaign like I think that I remember that being addressed like you're not putting your back you know black mm-hmm. babies aren't mamas aren't putting their mm-hmm. you know their babies to sleep on their back what Does that really have an effect on anything was that just kind of like a thought like maybe this could work it sounds like from what you're talking about these are social detriments has nothing to do with back to sleep but it would just be interesting if you have any more perspective on it because i just remember there being a lot of thoughts Mm -hmm. yeah
2: so i think that's what it boils down to perspective right Mm -hmm. um when you look at actual data femur fetal infant mortality review data It does show that if we focus on um, safe sleep, we might reduce the numbers, like the data tells us that a little bit. But the data is so specific that it's hard to see the all-encompassing social detriments of health. And so my personal, not as as a, um, just as a human who does birth work, um, who deals with uh, women from the time they conceive to the time they have their baby, they always move what's best for their family. And that's what we support as doulas and birth workers at Rooted. We don't do what's best on paper from data. We do what's best for the advocating for that individual family. Um, that's the more humane approach. And so if a client tells us that they're co-sleeping with their baby, we give them all of the information we have so they do it safely. Mm -hmm. If a client tells us that they want to put their baby in in a bassinet or crib and practice safe sleep, we give them all the data we have. So as doulas, birth workers at Rooted, we advocate for what the family autonomy is. We don't advocate based on any science, research, or data. We go by what the family needs. And if we find in a postpartum visit, a visit after babies here, that there's some something going on with the the parent or something in the household that we see that might be a detriment we will just address it at the time Mm -hmm. we don't ever assume we don't ever recommend without fully knowing and we build take a lot of time to build trust before we even give any of that feedback so from our perspective as an organization we believe co-sleeping and breastfeeding reduces SIDS more than putting a baby away on their back alone but you have to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we advocate for. But again, that's only if the parent has no idea what to do. That's the direction we would we would push them. But there's so many factors that have to happen to co-sleep safely. But if you look at global data, it says that co-sleeping produces the healthiest infant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. How, mm-hmm. do,
0: how do partnerships work? I'm just thinking like, We've got Bronson, who is mostly midwives, uh, and then uh, the other healthcare resources in town. How how does Rooted fit into that? Have you um, talked about partnership? What would that partnership have you run into challenges with bigger institutions like that? I'm just thinking of the back to sleep and the breastfeeding. like. Yeah, yeah. I
2: feel like when you move inside of an institution that is so high level and so... I'm just going to say it, fear-based. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of roadblocks. There's a lot of negotiating that has to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why we kind of stay in our lane as advocates and doulas, and we don't mess around too much with medical. Because when you start moving into medical, you have so much more red tape. You have so much more bureaucracy that has to happen. So we launched uh, Easy Access Perinatal Clinic. We have an accreditation through um, Jenny Joseph's Common Sense Childbirth, And we are working hard to find a solid partnership with Bronson so that our clients can come to us for all their prenatal care, all their resources, and when they go to have their baby, they can go to Bronson and have the baby. Then they come back to us for postpartum care and thereafter. So currently on on our roster, we have a certified professional midwife that travels down from Lansing every Monday to be at the clinic and seek see clients. And we have a midwife in training and three nurses that we work in tandem with under our culture. And we work hard to have great relationships with um, both hospitals. But because of the level of bureaucracy and red tape and fear, it's been really tricky. Mm -hmm. It's been really tricky. So just at at the clinic on Wednesday, we had a nurse, we had a midwife, we had two clients come through, we had our staff, and just the basic conversation. When we don't have a lot of clinic or clients coming in for clinic, we just have support conversation. We just hold space for any community member who's in the perinatal spectrum to have conversation. And what it boils down to is we, Kalamazoo is prime and ready for a, a birth center, and so. That would be an ideal situation um, to not have to navigate the hospitals, but we'll see, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see. I I just, trusted relationships to have a physiological birth are so needed, and it's so common when you move into a hospital that you're, you're going to have less capacity to have a physiological birth, depending on who your provider is, but the way that the system is set up you don't know who you're going to see at your appointment you don't know who's going to catch your baby you don't know any of that you don't have a choice mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to come back to so, you could, so pregnant people have
1: more of a choice mm-hmm.
0: that's
1: mm-hmm. great <clears throat> yeah what's a, and what's what's a birth center for folks that may mm-hmm. question that as opposed to a hospital
2: a birth center would be able to host uh Clients that have little to no um, indications where they would need extra support. So there's a sweet spot for um, gestational or for age of a woman that's um, considered g- g- geriatric birth if you're over 35. And so everything that a hospital would do to support a woman prenatally to birth their baby in postpartum, we would do. We would just not have any access to neonatal care. So if in 90% of births don't need neonatal care, mm-hmm. that's like across the nation. So a birth center is a great um, opportunity for a person who is really empowered in their body and maybe has had a baby before, so understands what they're getting into, doesn't have any um, contraindications for their health dur- before or during the pregnancy. So it's, it's just a place to have a baby that is not medicalized. Mm -hmm. We believe that birth is not a medical experience, but a physiological one.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what's, what's the difference between the medical piece and the physiological? I'm assuming it's control. Okay. Right.
2: (laughs) I mean, that's the bottom line and Mm -hmm. you can look at it from so many different angles, but the bottom line for a hospital is finances. And mm-hmm. if something happens in a hospital and they get sued, it can destroy the whole yeah. setup. And so because of that, when you go into a hospital, there's all these preliminary things to pr- to protect them. Yeah, And that is like fear-based mentality. So they're moving from a place of this all could happen, so let's try all this to prevent it, mm-hmm. instead of moving from a place of, 90% births are easy and physiologically fine. Let's move from that space and be prepared for what could happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just been par for the course for so many years that people don't even realize that that they're moving in a fear-based mentality when it comes to physiological birth.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Like if you're not starting to dilate within a certain period of time, these yeah. are the tools that they yeah. use to keep it moving, and if it doesn't happen in that period yeah. of time, there's... Just they just want to control the outcome, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Like you would with a surgery, or if you know you have cancer, you know what the next steps are. But Mm -hmm. physiological birth isn't like that. Mm -hmm. It's just the baby comes when it's ready, and and the body responds when it's ready. There's no controlling it. And I think when um, there's so much um, interventions, you start to lean into wanting to control the outcome. Mm. But if you just leave it alone, the outcome 90% of the time is great.
1: Okay. Mm Okay. Okay. And then you said you all do prenatal and postnatal, but mm-hmm. not birth. Correct. Is it a the reason for that?
2: Um, just red tape, bureaucracy, insurance, all the things. Okay. So maybe we'll move in that direction eventually. But for right now, we're just trying to create a good relationship with Bronson
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, so we can ha- say, OK, our client's. At 38 weeks, we're going to transfer care to you until the baby comes, and then you transfer care back after baby. Um, again, that we don't know how long that could take, how many levels of higher up we have to go through, but a, a better opportunity would be just to move into a birth center for us because we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But we're starting with what we have right now, just to give, even if it's just women coming in to talk about what they're going through at their provider's the things that they're not the answers that they're not getting or they want more information we're just there for that too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: so birthing center would be like i want more i want more i don't want to have my baby at home but i don't want to have him at a hospital like something in between correct that you could have a little bit of support along yeah. the way.
2: And then also, we would be, a birth center would be able to bill insurance. It's a little bit trickier to have a home birth based on insurance. A okay. birth center could possibly bill through Medicaid. Oh, okay. Un- unlike a, a home birth midwife, it's too much for them to try to navigate that piece. Mm-hmm. So it would broaden the options for a lot of people, too. That's
1: so cool. currently, um, that work isn't connected to the... Um, the insurance side, from what you just described, like a midwife couldn't—not a midwife um somebody helping with the birth. It can. depends
2: on the insurance. It always depends on the insurance. So we've had clients who have used our services, who have like a, a FHA fund, and then that they can reimburse themselves from the use of a doula or a home birth midwife. A flexible health account. Yes. For.
1: Listeners. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
2: <laughs> and so um there's options. I think it just depends on your carrier.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and I would assume I'm assuming here, but correct me if I'm wrong. The 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 socioeconomic circumstance. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned social determinants of health, mm-hmm. which is uh I'll include that in the show notes because that's an important element of 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 this conversation mm-hmm. and what the show is about talking about. Folks who do work and engage in work um, to help folks get out of poverty. So I mean, the the birthing justice and you know medical, again, could broadly be put in like the healthcare area. Absolutely. But again, the social determinants of health just take that as one one component. Um, and for those that don't know, uh, this is my understanding of social determinants of health. But like. When you go into a hospital, I want to say about 20% of the circumstances like a health a condition. The other 80, those is that social determinants mm-hmm. of health. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you compound, you know, a, a low-income mother of color right from a specific neighborhood. Like, all of that plays into the health condition.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's my understanding of social determinants of health. Um, I'll be sure to put that in the, in the show notes because it's a very interesting concept when you consider like healthcare mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. and like the 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 expectation that uh, something's wrong with you uh, and you go to hospital and you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's almost kind of like we separate the hospital from like capitalism and. You know some of the things that Camer mentioned, like, you know they they having you sign these things to make sure you know they covered, mm-hmm. which is I, and I'm this. Let me be clear, I'm not knocking hospitals or staff. You know I'm sure they they care for the the folks and want to serve them to the highest capacity. But again, it's systems. We've said that from episode one. It's systems and it's nested within other things, and so mm-hmm. it's it's spaghetti. You can't mm-hmm. take the sauce out, you know, after mm-hmm. it's after it's cooked. You know? <laughs> after it's in there. Yeah, you can't you can't separate the noodles from the sauce. So yeah. is it's very interesting just your work and then like the nesting of other systems mm-hmm. and the, the clarity that is like, well this you know, this is what we do. We can't control like mm-hmm. you know what neighborhood you live in, but understand we we do understand how that impacts. Absolutely, the birthing experience Mm -hmm. because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of an experience, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, again, you know, you talk about data like poverty reduction data and literature uh, is clear, like the younger a child is and the longer they stay in poverty, it it could actually like rewire the brain, Mm -hmm. and so you know getting folks before the mm. child even emerges mm. and understanding all those other components and connecting with partners to be mm-hmm. like yo we if you are born literally in poverty we don't want you there long right you know and mm-hmm. so what as community can we do to you know acknowledge that and and prevent it and and knock it knock it out um in addition to that infant mortality piece of you no know, matter your socioeconomic cause that when I learned that that was kind of like a pause for me, like hashtag mind blown where mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's uh a middle class or upper middle class black woman having worse birth outcomes than a white high school dropout. Yes. It was just like what mm-hmm. it was equivalent I had to pause. It was the equivalent of when I found out in terms of like criminal justice work a black a black man without a criminal record could have uh worse job outcomes than a white man with a criminal record. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like uh mm-hmm. uh this is one of those things that's making pause like yeah it's a lot of work. It's mm-hmm. absolutely. The badass. bottom line
2: is systemic racism yeah. for all of it, whether it's school to prison pipeline or criminal record or um, birth justice. Yeah, health disparities. Everything. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the bottom line. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or the root or the initial cause, whatever you want to call it.
1: Mm-hmm. Could you tell us more about, you see, you had mentioned meditation earlier. This Mm -hmm. may be a sharp detour too, but (laughs) (laughs) you had mentioned meditation earlier. Is that throughout all the branches or connected to one branch in particular?
2: I mean, everybody should do it. I use, I use it with my birth clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I use it with the youth. We try to, we try to offer and instill it to everybody we come across. Um, I think that, you know, meditation kind of gets a, like a bad rap. Like, I can't do it or I don't know how. There's a whole lot of that. But from my philosophy, meditation is just like the um, another way of being in control of your own self or knowing your own self. And so something like um, washing the dishes can be a meditation, walking your dog, rocking your baby coming I think when I think about meditation it's like such a, a cousin to mindfulness mm-hmm. so if you're mindful of what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're doing that can lead you into a better relationship to meditation mm-hmm. and I think people think of like you need to sit on a, on the ground and cross your legs and you know that's not that's a good way to do it but it's not the only way and so. Mm-hmm. It's just understanding your mind and um, the neurophysiobiology of it, and then being in control of it or trying to be in control of it. I mean, we're not ever going to be fully in control, but just understanding yourself is like the number one jump to getting into a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And then that's the other thing. It has to be a practice. It's not a checkbox. I went to a meditation workshop. I'm a meditator. It has to be a practice.
1: Yeah. 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 So that's ongoing yeah. for for listeners. They'll mm-hmm. you know, understand that it's practice, and uh, I guess you improve. It's not like a destination. No, but it's like
2: healing isn't a destination. Yeah. Life isn't a destination. We yeah. just we just here trying to do the best we can, and then fall off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I try like my my piece of meditation with. I do this. I try, like, if I'm in a room. What do I smell? Use all my senses. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I, s- a lot of times we sit down we don't have any, mm-hmm. like, I do it too. I don't know what's around me or my awareness. Like, what do I smell?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What am I, like, I got my legs crossed right now. I can feel my leg touching the other leg. I can feel my hand touching my pants. What do my pants feel like right now? Mm-hmm. Um, the paint this painting in the room the lights like little things that you don't usually you're not usually conscious of and it kind of brings you back to present moment i'm okay Mm -hmm. we're here Mm we are here doing the podcast
1: (laughs) is that meditation or mindfulness what's the difference well i don't know language of oppression
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i guess for me like when you let's talk about like the yoga phenomenon that's happening Mm -hmm. you find that more people do yoga to feel better in their body Mm -hmm. but the 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 asanas the postures on the mat the movements were created so you can have better control of your mind like that's the preliminary to meditation Mm -hmm. and so it's often forgotten in our culture because people a lot of people tend to generalize and look at yoga as a physical activity which it is yeah but it's it's to get you to the next level. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to work out and stretch and go home. It's so you can deal with the physicality and make your body serene and balanced and feel good so you can get to the mind. It's like that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be mindful to do the postures to get to the next level of mindfulness to do the mind. So both and. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, but language of oppression, really, because if you pay attention to just how your feet land on the ground as you walk with intention, Mm -hmm. what you smell, um, how the air feels on your skin, what you hear, you're in a meditation process Yeah. because you're just being really, really mindful of all the things. Yeah. Or you're being mindful of the things and then you're slowly dropping them away and getting really into the body.
1: It sounds like a, a focus. Mm-hmm. A focus and, and and a focus in like the the present, yes. like you right here. So like, I yes. mean we all, we all have pasts and mm-hmm. you know maybe future, but like humans humans can conceive of of all three, like uh, time time pieces like mm-hmm. the past, present, and future. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing is like this like an extreme like you in the present Mm -hmm. and extremely focused on the present and like not really, it makes me think of like sports to some degree. Absolutely. I think that's why they're so popular (laughs) because you could be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And it reminds me, I play, um, I play online chess a lot Mm -hmm. and it's, is like, yeah. If if I'm in a game, it's like Mm -hmm. literally, I I can't remember anything else. I'm just mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yo, I'm here. I got I to think about this move or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, to think of that as meditation, it kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. busts the myth of the whole, like, yeah, the room got to have sage and right. you got to <laughs> be yeah. sitting on a soft pillow. Yeah, But just the <laughs> idea of the moment.
2: Yeah, because yeah. there's a school of thought from the Buddhism philosophy that if you're worried about, if you're thinking about the past, you're creating anxiety.
1: Um, And if you're thinking
2: about the future, you're creating worry. But if you sit in the present, you can think about being calm and content with what is right now.
1: Man, that's crazy. I would love to see. Well, there are folks. I I may not know them. But, yeah, I would love to see that um, combined with, like, business. Business, Mm -hmm. even in our city organization. It's Mm -hmm. like we just sat in a space where... One of our colleagues said, "Well, you got to think like 18 months out, <laughs> right? <laughs> Remember that? It's like you got to you got to have have it all thought through 18 months out." And I'm like, whew, "Man, <laughs> I'm not." And I like the plan. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of project management. And but I'm knowing that is nothing. Nothing is linear like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of if, but when a wrinkle occurs. Mm-hmm. I think it gives us peace of mind to an extent, but sometimes yeah, it, it just goes seems back to the
2: whole control thing. Yeah. Control, we yeah. think if, that if we're in control of some outcome or something or some person that we're going to find more peace in life, but it's just, it's a falsity really yeah. that is steeped in capitalism
1: crazy mm-hmm. 18 months out I'm thinking.
2: Strategy is awesome yeah. but with the mindset that you're going to have I'm going to quote Adrienne Maria Brown one of her principles emergent strategy principles less prep more presence mm. so you can still strategize and have a plan but while while you're doing the plan be really present in it with the people Yeah. because I just feel like humans are here for connectivity we're not here for strategy
1: yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: we gotta strategize to to take us. Say to that the next again.
1: Level. Say that one more time.
2: I feel like humans are in existence for connectivity,
1: not strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And if if anybody is thinking about that quote, just take those words, connectivity, or and, and strategy, and like interchange them with like when you go and be with friends and family man I'm about to go strategize with my family <laughs> as opposed to I'm about to go connect with my family yeah. or I'm about to go strategize with my friends yes. you know can like imagine <laughs> I'm gonna leave my wife be like where you going I'm going to strategize one of my friends like, what freaking weirdo yeah. <laughs> hey, what you, who does that yeah that's powerful um I'm sure, yeah. Like I say, I'm sure there's some literature where some somebody has combined some Buddhist or mindfulness with business, and you know has some stunning results. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just not the no- we're not there to where it's the norm yet. No, definitely, definitely, not. definitely not. It's it's so many mm-hmm. organizational principles where, um, yeah, like you see the, c- the command control mm-hmm. type of of situation, and people as product for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. you know widgets like you know it's all you here you there and you know Mm -hmm. it's all nice little marching (laughs) and it's like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like that in real life Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Mal gets out this position is 20 grants, you got to get 20 grants and they're going to create 20 jobs and mm-hmm. like all the numbers. And it. Mm-hmm. that's not why I'm here. Right. That's not why you're here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But like Karma said, is I don't, I don't omit that or disregard it as yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are, I mean, you know, there are numbers like the infant mortality rate. It's like, okay, for 30 years it's been three to four times higher hmm you know black infant mortality rate to white infant mortality rate, like those are numbers now there are real you know stories behind that mm-hmm. terrible stories, mm-hmm. but those are real numbers, mm-hmm. and you know I would love to for it to even as as awful as it may for it to reach parity with white infant mortalities that would actually be progress, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. uh. But there are numbers involved, but yeah, it's not, yeah, I don't think that's why we're doing it, but I don't want to forget that. Right. Like, do you know, my work focuses on three neighborhoods that have concentrated poverty, right? So you're talking 20, 20 to 40% to of, of the neighborhood is in poverty. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, if we can cut that in half, it would be progress. Mm-hmm. It'd still be unacceptable, mm-hmm. but I mean- you know our baseline was you know uh, almost 50% mm-hmm. you know those numbers numbers that went down and and again for every number it's a story behind a number mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like for every 20 grants that go out that you know it's, it's a story behind it mm-hmm. yeah you just know?
0: this morning I went uh, to visit one of the contractors black contractors that had work with uh, to fill out a grant, met him on site, just downtown, and his wife came. His wife owns a nail salon uh, in the city, so she filled out an application, too, and why they were both filling out their their applications. They have a three-year-old son, same age as Kai, so I took him on a little walk, and we looked at seeds from different trees, (laughs) and I, I was just thinking this example. like, this was about connection. Uh, I mean, yeah. There's gonna be some support, and they're gonna get some dollars to help grow their businesses and get resources that they need. And um, that's what at least why I'm I'm in this job. Mm-hmm. And that little walk with their son was really cute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, combining the two, mm-hmm. it's just I don't think our society. I don't think that's the norm. And then you mentioned some something earlier operating from a place of fear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having things be fear-based. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's another norm, mm-hmm. and organizational Special slash institutional norm. Where <laughs> Municipalities,
0: I mean, everything we do, it's like have a contract, have mm-hmm. our attorney g- review the contract, mm-hmm. gotta have Clyde look at the contract. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. our attorney's office, it's, it is out of that. Mm-hmm. I think we're, f- we're exploring other ways to like give, give dollars to organizations to do the work instead of us doing direct work because mm-hmm. it can take out some of the red tape, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's, that's an exciting part mm-hmm. of uh, the conversations we'd like to have that's making connections because I know people think, may think healthcare or if some people haven't heard of like birthing justice. So they -hmm. won't have any concept, but again, it's just, it's connected. It's so, it's so many connections to people's lives. And again, every number, you know, for every Mm -hmm. stat is a story behind that. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's real people we dealing with. That's why it's different than. Um, having a business where you like making a product like mm-hmm. making shoes or mm-hmm. computers like we got to get these widgets mm-hmm. out and you know we got to increase sales the next quarter right you know it's not it's not that mm-hmm. you know when you're dealing with people who um who face immense challenges right. um clear and unclear mm-hmm. you know so it's that's that's why we like having these conversations with people from different from different aspects of our community and the work, mm-hmm. um, cause yeah, it's co- it's connected and you know people here to connect.
2: Absolutely.
1: I did have a question. Another question mm-hmm. about the um oh we had mentioned birthing justice or birth justice. And that's, and that's part of the work. Expand a little bit about that for folks that may not know what that is, what that entails.
2: Birth justice?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, literally what it just says. Like, there's so many detriments of health for black, indigenous, and people of color based on our land history Mm -hmm. that when you move into um having autonomy to have a baby it's like for me justice is not something we should be fighting for or writing grants for (laughs) justice should be yours the minute you come out of the womb you should just have autonomy and justice for whatever you want to do yeah and so when i think about birth justice that's what it is for me i would like for our clients before the baby comes earthside to feel empowered, justified in what they want to do for their family and able to advocate for themselves. Um, As birth workers, we don't advocate for our clients. We give them the tools and knowledge to advocate for themselves. So that's justice, the education, the empowerment, the worthiness of being just a human in in our community. That's what I would say is birth birth justice means to me.
1: And is is Rooted connected to like other, um, is this like a national thing and Rooted connected to other practitioners uh, across the country?
2: So we collaborate and learn from a lot of other organizations. So common sense childbirth out of Winter Garden, Florida where mm-hmm. Jenny Joseph is is our strongest collaboration. Um she was just named as one of Time Magazine's Woman of the year what? with her birth justice and inf- uh, more um her birth work. And so that that connection feels like a really good one for us and that's where we got our clinic accreditation through.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And who I would love to study under someday to be a midwife. But um, then we partner and learn from and collaborate with uh, other organizations around the country. Um, Jenny Joseph, has her organization has also accredited Birth Detroit. Mm-hmm. So we meet with them often and just hear about what's going on on the other side of the state around birth justice. There's a organization out of New York called um, Sister Song that we like to learn from and do work with. Um Mama Toto Village out of Louisiana. There's quite a bit doing work in specific cities around the country that we like to uh, learn from. But collaboration is hard because we try the basis of the the accreditation for the clinic is to respond and create the clinic specifically for our community. Right. And so collaboration and learning is great, but it's really determined by our community, how we move.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. And then what's the difference for folks that don't know between a doula and a midwife?
2: Thank you. I always forget these things eight years in Um, (laughs) (laughs) that we should explain it. A doula um, works for the client. So they are hired by the client and they are, I like to say, I'm an empty vessel Mm -hmm. and you put in what you want from me.
1: And then to be clear, the client is a pregnant woman, right?
2: pregnant person we like to say these days that's all right okay yeah um the client is the pregnant person and their family Mm -hmm. we include the whole family we also like to make it very intergenerational so if you if you live with your your auntie bring her bring the children like we want a a family uh aspect to happen Mm -hmm. so we do a meet and greet as a doula and we like, what what is it you think you need to have your baby in the best way possible in the hospital? Yeah. Because the main thing is the minute you move into the hospital, we talked about those interventions. We talked about not having control and it's been common practice um, in our culture to give a lot of our power away to healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. So we are like that buffer. If the, OBGYN or midwife comes in and says you need this test or this is the issue, we're the person that can break down the medical ease a little bit better and give you the baseline of what they're talking about and the the information from a different perspective and the options. We never make a choice for our client. We never tell the provider what to do for our client. We are just like they're holding space for the client. That's a doula. Mm -hmm. So scope of practice is very narrow around How can I support you best? What do you want from me? Yeah. And do you have all the information you need to make an informed decision? Mm -hmm. A midwife um, does everything medical. We do nothing medical. Okay. We're informational, spiritual, family. Like I've been to births where I'm like mom's in the bathtub with partner and I'm walking the dog or I'm feeding the two-year-old. So whatever we can do to support, make it an easy transition and then a midwife is um, does exactly the same thing that OBGYNs do. Mm-hmm. They just try most of them probably look at it from a little bit more of a physiological, but it all depends on their schooling and their their uh, per, their their personal idea of what birth is. Yeah. We've heard stories from midwives where They've been in the rooms with o b s who have never seen a purely physiological birth all through medical school mm-hmm. Every birth has had some type of intervention
1: mm-hmm. so and when you mean when you say intervention, you mean like that like filling out hospital forums and whatnot
2: no, I mean so I mean like an epidural or oh. a medication oh, or a Pitocin yeah. or even an i v
1: the c section will it be included in that yeah. okay
2: anything that like if you can watch uh, YouTube videos of African, um, traditional African births where there's uh, four women walking down a pathway and there's a pregnant one and she just goes behind a rock, has her baby, cleans up, rests for a little while, then they continue on their walk. Uh. That's how physiological birth is. Right. Well, that's, bas- that's basically,
1: <laughs> basically before the system of healthcare, care, mm-hmm. because let's let's be clear uh humans been having kids since we got here <laughs> it's a long time millions a long of time before was... insurance before <laughs> hospitals yeah before hospitals yeah and so uh you everything's know, an intervention really yeah uh, it's safe to say that you know humans know how to do this thing yeah without hospitals yes you know and so that's what you are saying when you mm-hmm. uh, make the distinction between physiological and the, and the medical side. Right. Okay. Right. Like my first
2: birth training was with a Zulu woman from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And her coming into this country and understanding the system blew her mind because there's nowhere in her town, in her village, in her area that you go to have a baby. You have it at home and then the aunties and the cousins or the village midwife come to the, the
1: home. The people come to you, you yes. don't go to the hospital. That's right. We don't prepare no. to go. There's
2: nothing to be done at a hospital. If the baby has some issues, they take the baby to the hospital, mm-hmm. but, or the, the, you know, the mom to the hospital. But it's physiological at home. There's no system set up in, in her town To have a baby
1: in a hospital, to where you go, no, and you you have a baby anywhere because, like you said, it's Mm -hmm. not you don't control when that happens. So, they could be you know at a friend's house Mm -hmm. or somewhere else. But like, it's happening now.
2: So, and then I've had a a indigenous training with an Anishinaabe woman from Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. and I've had um, my personal midwifery assistant training from a home birth midwife here and locally, Mm -hmm. and all of them say the same thing before the healthcare system in the nineteen thirties and forties, every settler colon, colon colonizer colonizer
3: mm-hmm.
2: were their babies are being catched by black women or indigenous women mm-hmm. from this land or that were brought over. So it's possible without a hospital. Yeah. I think hospitals are phenomenal for emergency mm-hmm. but physiological birth I just it's, hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> yeah, I just think about, too, the, like, thinking about that. It, it's like, wow, well, I'm scared. I'm scared that something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because I've been brought up in this system mm-hmm. that makes me feel scared of That's it. Like, right. there's something wrong with you if you don't want to go to the hospital. That's right. It's like, well, something can happen. No, yes. you need to be at the hospital. But, I mean, you walk out
2: your door every day and something can happen. Yeah, you get in the car, you get on your bike, something can always happen. But that's not the the way we look at the world mm-hmm. in general. So why for this specific thing?
0: Yeah, there's so much shame. I yeah. think too, like you're you're gonna be a bad mom if that you don't decide that, mm-hmm. or yeah, or you're some like super crunchy granola. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't yeah. like, yeah. It, it should be a decision. Yeah. That the the
2: birthing person makes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just I really advocate for 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 birthing people who want to have a physiological birth in the hospital to have a great birth plan, and then you're like on paper, right? You're, you're kind of reverting back to the the way that they like. This is what I wrote on paper. What I want my birth to look like, mm-hmm. with these exceptions, if something
1: does go wrong. So. Mm-hmm. There's ways to meet in the middle. There you go. We just mm-hmm. come full circle. We talk about mm-hmm. planning and <laughs> the natural <laughs> aspect of like combining, being in the present, but you know, make a plan. Yeah. Always uh, an advocate and champion of making a plan, but uh-huh. adjust when needed. I right. mean, you know, conditions change.
2: And also just again, being present, right? Mm-hmm. It's so easy to go down a rabbit hole of Google and YouTube when you're 10 weeks pregnant. Uh. Pause if something comes up we'll deal with it when we get there just enjoy yeah being pregnant so there's that aspect too of being in the present
1: moment yeah Mm -hmm. a birth plan yeah okay do you see that often birth plan
2: all my clients have them I make sure of it for sure okay Mm -hmm.
1: because we it made me think of the um going to hospital and you like well we don't it's all—it's danger all around. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't apply this criteria to other things, mm-hmm. and the, the arbitrariness of it—it mm-hmm. it made me think of um, a will. Like a will is basically a death plan,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And it's commonplace, you mm-hmm. know. Even—even even encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, everybody. Well, how mm-hmm. old are you? Yeah, you need a will. Mm-hmm. You should get your will? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's like, how many? Do you hear? Hey, you expect it. Do you have a birth plan? Right.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you you are a woman of color, you should for sure have one. Absolutely. Every birthing person should have one. But if you are black or indigenous woman, please have one. Mm. Hear me out there. Everybody get one. (laughs) Yeah. Because you again, like I said, you don't know who's going to be in the room with you Mm -hmm. when you go to the hospital. So if you have a very traditional OB or a very traditional nurse, you don't want to have to advocate for yourself while you're in the pr- process of laboring. Yeah. You want that on paper. So you can just direct them back to that. This is what I've asked for. Yeah. And then when there comes a point where there's a no negotiation that has to happen, you haven't spent all this other energy advocating for yourself. You're just in the moment.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, certainly. Um and, and although I've never uh, given birth, I, I've experienced it through witnessing mm-hmm. uh, my wife and others. And, yeah, I definitely want to be trying to talk to them about anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> life. And we, d- that is definitely the the highest level of being in the moment <laughs> yeah. um, that, that somebody definitely. can go through.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And you definitely don't want to negotiate at that time. Mm-mm.
2: You're doing good work. It's not a time to be discussing IVs or vitamin K shots or any of that kind of stuff. You want it already written down
4: for sure.
1: Mm. Okay. Speaking of that, how does the physiological side of things work if, you know, people experience different amounts of pain and they ask for mm-hmm. the medical intervention? Mm-hmm. How does that work on the physiological side?
2: It it. it, it it's not at that point, um, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know yourself and you know you have a low tolerance for pain, let's talk about all those options before you're in labor. Mm-hmm. These are the different th- options that hospitals do have if you want to um, have intervention for pain. Again, I'm an empty vessel. I could go in with, I have my opinions, I have my judgments, but I, when it comes to my client, it's about what they need for their body and for their experience. So we just go through all the options. And I think when I meet with clients, I like to meet with them early on in the pregnancy so we can form a relationship, there's some trust, and I can understand, how do you deal with pain when you're in pain? Have you ever had high pain in your life? Do you know what you're getting? You know, We go through all of that before we even get to labor. So when labor comes, we've already talked about it, and I know how I can support
1: um, Almost like visualization. Athletes all do it, that all the time. All of that, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: I I used to carry a big old bag to with all kinds of stuff and tools to births, mm-hmm. and now it's a small backpack, and I use my voice and my hands the most to support um, pain
4: mm-hmm. for
2: my clients. And words and breath are magic yeah. when they're in that primal, one pointed focused. It's just encouragement encouragement and also distraction
1: yeah mm. mm-hmm. wow camera
0: camera so. was my doula really mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. she, it, and it, i have to say hands and her voice definitely helped i still remember her voice yeah. but i don't remember what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> but i remember her voice <laughs> wow
1: small world i didn't yeah. know that uh-huh. yeah and now it's a, it's a, it's a healthy Kai.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Healthy In the Kai.
1: mix. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Shout out to Cameron Mitchell for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Sweet.
2: Sweet. Yeah, I don't, I don't, part of com, client confidentiality is me. You would never hear me say who, you know. Yeah. The client tells, not me. Because okay. we respect all of that, too, in our scope of practice. Good deal.
1: mm mm-hmm. No doubt. hmm Oh, another branch. Please, tell us about this other branch of Rooted. So, Birth Justice, Mm -hmm. we got into that Mm -hmm. in in depth. The Community Healing and Mm -hmm. Wellness Branch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interested in that. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So, I think it encompasses anything that uh, we can do to support healing. And healing looks different to every individual.
1: And community because yeah. that's part of the yeah. branch is yeah. community healing and wellness. Yeah, and with all this, oof, all yeah. this craziness that's yeah. been happening Correct. in our country, is so germane right mm-hmm. now. This idea of community healing and mm-hmm. wellness. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
2: yeah. When I think of community care, mm-hmm. I think of you have your broad community like the whole city of Callmesula Township, and then you have your own personal committee whether that's your family or your close family and friends. Um, so it depends on what perspective you're using. But if I'm thinking of, like, the whole Kalamazoo, from my perspective and my hope, like, uh, the outcome for Rooted is to work ourselves out of a job. <laughs> but right now, some things that we're doing is we have a black and brown therapy collective. Mm-hmm. So we, we gather information and skill sets from local black and brown therapists, um, regional. And then we list out them on our website, and we have a coordinator who takes in information from community members via a very easy-to-fill-out form on our website if you're feeling like you might need some therapy. Um, the pilot was last year. We started it specific to racial racial um, trauma or mm-hmm. racial support, but it's really just if we have funds, we're going to support you. So we connect a community member with a therapist that we f- Feel like might be a good fit. If they decide to use that therapist, the therapist will bill us up mm-hmm. to a thousand dollars for that client. Mm-hmm. And so, depending on the, the rates that the therapist has, that could be anywhere from five to ten sessions, mm-hmm. sometimes more. We've had therapists who have given a couple extra to a community member. They're like, we d- we just they just need two more sessions to get over this. Mm-hmm. And so, we're just the li- liaison between uh, community members and therapists. And our thought around the project that Lana Lewis brought to us before she left community is um, that if you go to a therapist who doesn't have similar or uh, lived experience or idea of how it is to be in a black or brown body, you have to go through all that process of learning each other mm-hmm. and explaining things before you can get to the therapy. Mm-hmm. So our, our thought was, let's just get right to the therapy. Let's get to the healing. So we have that. And then we, we have a new, newly formed um, initiative called Radical that is specific on connecting um, queer folks or LGBTQIA plus folks mm-hmm. to different uh, options of ways of being around talking to your family uh, extended family about your lifestyle or how you identify to being in relationship while identifying as that and then we're just now branching into um, some youth work around LGBTQIA so that's mm-hmm. radical and BBTC and then We take contracts from around the community for racial healing, mediation, cultural humility. I pretty much will say yes to whatever lands inside of my wheelhouse. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really hard to say exactly. The programming is very malleable, I think, because Mm -hmm. like I said, healing is different for everybody or every community. Yeah.
1: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: How was the Black and Brown Therapy Collective? Was that received pretty well? Did it get used? Yes. Um, we,
2: in 2021, we served 283, I wow. believe, is the number of community members. We connected 283 community members to clinicians.
0: And they each had a $1,000-ish. Not all of them used, used it. it. Yeah. Not all of them completed. Yep. I
2: don't even think all that were connected actually got therapy. Mm-hmm. But that's what our role is to make the connection Mm -hmm. Um, and then be responsive if the connection doesn't work to make another one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's been received really well. Wow. And we're hoping to keep it going Mm -hmm. for sure. So it's definitely a a program and not an initiative anymore.
1: Nice. And that's been individuals that have taken part in that individual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it any type of... um, Collective therapy? Group therapy, actually. Yeah,
2: that's so interesting you say that. We are in talks right now about getting something started for fall. Um, Group therapy, we want to call them um, healing groups instead of support groups. Mm -hmm. We also want to add different modalities to the Black and Brown Therapy Collective. So if you are a music therapist or a massage therapist or any type of other therapy, yoga therapist or even a modality that you can't call yourself a therapist, but you know invokes healing, we're going to start adding those into the roster of support. I've worked with a couple of autistic children in the community just on drumming Mm -hmm. to kind of help the right brain, left brain get together and have had great success. I'm not a music therapist, but I've seen the outcome. And so we're thinking about having healing groups. So maybe eight to ten folks that have a shared identity that might be able to sit in a room and learn from each other and mm-hmm. educate each other and support each other but not in the same way that talk therapy does where you're talking about the thing that re-triggers you. Yeah. But more about what are the solutions to the shared identity that we have to level us up, mm-hmm. to heal us on this mm-hmm. thing or to talk about this thing. So I'm in talks with two therapists in our collective now about what that would
1: look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's coming okay mm-hmm. Great. and currently it's not a situation it's not a like bill insurance type of situation, but it's totally
2: a, up to the therapist. We uh, have a pot of money, yeah that uh we've got from um the Kalamazoo Community Foundation, and so we just assign a thousand dollars to a client, and mm-hmm. that's up to the therapist how they want to bill us or the insurance. We work really closely if a if a client comes and says I don't know if I can get therapy with my insurance or I don't think I can or I don't know how to do this, we will help support them navigate that piece too
4: mm-hmm.
2: um, and in tandem with the clinician that they want to use. If they're working with a clinician and maybe that clinician doesn't take that insurance anymore, we work hard to find a new clinician that will, that they like or navigate what that looks like for how much more we can pay to support, to continue. Mm-hmm. So it's really a person-by-person case yeah we don't have like a there's no bottom line we want to be
1: humane with how we offer the service right Mm -hmm. with between medical and this um therapy it sounds like y'all learning a lot about insurance and how that works
2: yeah (laughs) we're moving in, in for the even the clinic that we're we're um we launched in march we're moving into what that looks like how that how to navigate that we, we do have an agreement with bronson how that would navigate mm-hmm. with insurance Like, we're learning yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah because that's a whole nother yeah uh that's all another can of worms in, in mm-hmm. industry dealing mm-hmm. with insurance mm-hmm.
2: luckily one of our staff um is going into medical undergrad and has had quite a bit of experience with billing and medical insurance and she's our coordinator for the clinic and also our black and brown therapy coordinator so uh-huh. her knowledge has been beneficial as we grow
1: too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well thank you for that i know again all the stuff that's been happening just uh nationally and even locally um that that's been addressed on some previous episodes the community healing um, and I mean community like Big C not just black and brown people but I mean we all here together like yeah, what's that, what's, what's that look like and how how to best go about that um, so yeah that hearing more about that work thank you for sharing that's been interesting what's the next stage evolution for Rooted and his work um, in those three branches, in your opinion?
2: Um, I think right now is... Sometimes it feels like we never have enough capacity. <laughs> and I, a lot of my mentors in um, learning over the past five years is you're always going to feel that way in nonprofit because there's the issues are always going to be there. So, But I think for us... Um, Expanding, we're expanding into a suite next door to have a brand new studio, mm-hmm. which we hope to share with more community. Um, the studio we're working out of now is pretty small and not very accessible, so we're really excited to open up this new studio and do more inside of it post COVID also. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It was a strong grieving process for us to go through COVID. I did not start this organization to sit behind a computer. I want to be with the people. Yeah. So it was really tricky. So we're coming out of that, and it feels really good to be able to be with the people again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on our future. Just really, I think, honing in on the programs that are really have great receptivity from the community and how to build those more, and then looking at... Um, new programs that the community's asking for. But I really, our focus is um, definitely on healing. But again, that, what that looks like depends on the person. So mm-hmm. we would love to expand into an actual community center in the future. That's like our five, three to five year plan to have a bigger center and um, incorporate some cooperative youth entrepreneurial learning and open a childcare center and expand our clinic into a birth center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so five years, give us five years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three to five years. Yeah. And that trajectory yeah. has shifted a bit because of COVID and stuff, but it's all good. Right. We're just gonna keep doing what we do.
1: Right, mm-hmm. remaining in the present That's to right. reach five years. And, and I like to say,
2: let it organically unfold. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and it will, no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, to be clear, uh, the uh, organicness of it is going to be some work orchestrated too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah.
2: laughs> Still got to get an audit. Yeah. Still got to make the budget. I tell
1: <laughs> people that it's like they be leaning too much towards organic. I'm like, look, me and my wife met organically, being married <laughs> ten plus years. That's orchestrated. <laughs> that's hard work. <laughs> yeah. So
2: <laughs> don't forget to do the work. That's right. Don't forget to do your the own work. personal and yeah yeah collective mm-hmm. collective
1: it shows up That's it, sh- right. it shows up when you when you're trying to work with others and so yeah um key takeaways for me like plan you know for the future but not too much be mindful <laughs> be mindful like know th- Well, i think it's socrates quote know thyself i learned it a long time ago mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like stuck with one. me it's so mm-hmm. simple mm-hmm. but like difficult in as you say, practice. It's practice, That's like right. every day, day in, day out. And yeah, sometimes you you reach great heights, sometimes it's great lows. But mm-hmm. I mean, you you wake up, you know, you got another chance to get at it. So like, I like, I like that idea, and, and you mentioning that it's a practice, and um, individually and for our community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to thank you for for thank showing you. up mm-hmm. and sharing. We always got some uh, interesting closeout questions, <laughs> but, um, a, a six word vision for our community. Um, our model, uh, a community without racism, and racism and poverty.
2: You want me to give you a six yeah, word vision?
1: Your six word vision oh, for okay. our community.
2: Okay. Be like water. Change will come. What? Adapt that's sweet yeah
0: ride the wave
1: that's That's a good one Mm -hmm.
0: if you try to stop you'll sink and fall Mm -hmm. over
1: yeah Mm -hmm. well i'm I'm digging the water references Mm -hmm. (laughs) even especially if somebody can't swim i like (laughs) the water references (laughs) um but you can float i can i can talk about mindfulness mm-hmm. yeah that's so natural we could all float but we get in there like uh, mm-hmm. i'm gonna wait <laughs> um what are you currently reading
4: um
2: resmaa mannequin's quaking of america
1: okay mm. okay what is that about just go get the book okay well, that, the <laughs> name of the book is quaking of america
2: yeah i think so i'm very bad about that kind of stuff it just came out okay um okay yeah
1: uh, what did you have for dinner last night?
2: Um, cheese and crackers. <laughs> <laughs> and cherries. Yeah. Okay,
1: okay. It is cherry it, season. It part. is.
2: I ate way too many, though. That's a but good. that's what I do when they come out because it's such a short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to stack up.
1: <laughs> I go in. That's a good pairing, though. Mm-hmm. That's a good pairing. I was too tired to cook because so yeah. that's what I had. That's a good pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, cake or a pie? donuts that's a first for <laughs> our yeah. show that's a first for our show <laughs> and you know what why that's why that first is so beautiful because it, to the individual it's so it's classic camera <laughs> you mm-hmm. got some choices She like yo it's a third way it's got to be a third <laughs> that's way. that's right Not, i'm going this way mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go there you go what's on your nightstand where'd you get that from Questions? Yeah. Mel came up with yeah. most mm-hmm. of these questions.
2: Right, nightstand. Yeah. Um nightstand. I have a little uh, wood, Indonesian wood box mm-hmm. that has like perimenopause, progesterone pills, Tums, and uh, sleep aids in it, mm-hmm. and a chapstick. A, always a glass of water. I like to drink water as soon as I wake up. And uh, a little bowl with Palo Santo and a lighter and my lamp yeah mm, that's it. I don't right. have a whole lot in my bedroom. I like it to be real, yeah,
1: yeah mm-hmm. okay, serene um, what is the most important thing you do to to take care of yourself to show up in this work um it's a lot mm-hmm. that you do, but what what do you do? You talk about individual mm-hmm. and and what do you do for camera to show up for this work?
2: Um, self-reflect, hydrate, internal and external. Taking baths, drinking a lot of water, uh, intentional showers, and um, watch my breath. Mindful of my breath.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Breath is magic. It is. It's another po- I, It's a podcast I subscribe to. It's about changes your mind. Yeah. I mean, literally, yeah, (laughs) it's about leadership. The podcast, but they had this dude on there, the author. The whole thing was about breathing and he dropped so many jewels Mm -hmm. about breathing and like how he, one key takeaway was we are all breathing incorrectly Mm. and you like, what? I'm alive. I'm going in and out. It's something's working. (laughs) He was like, nah. He was like it's, it's and it's there's some health issues that can be connected to your improper breathing. Absolutely. It was it just blew my mind. I still haven't gotten it right yet, but I'm alive, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. work on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. you mentioning that breath mm-hmm. is like what? It's just crazy.
0: crazy. Even but like if you don't have time for anything else I've learned like you can skip the yoga, you could skip the diet, if you can do two minutes of pranayama breathing, some sort of Absolutely. breathing every day, it's gonna change your mind and have way more effect than those things. Which Absolutely. you wouldn't think that. You'd like You wouldn't think. No, you'd be like, man. Oh, I'm gonna do my stretching or my yeah. you know
1: you wouldn't think it. I mean yeah, we remind our listeners it is a big world out there and we have existed uh, at least a millennia people been doing uh, things a long time before uh, we got a lot of these systems mm-hmm. change don't your breath change your mind don't, don't right. ever underestimate it
3: mm-hmm.
1: okay <laughs> Camel Mitchell <laughs> episode 19 in the books this has been uh, quite the pleasure and and enjoyment f- uh, for me I didn't know you and Mel had that connection though no. yeah but uh, that's great mm mm-hmm. um want to thank you for your time. Um thank you for your work in our community. Um great to have you in our community and you know if you were to ever leave, you know, keep being you. Thank
2: keep you. It. Thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Yep, no problem. Pleasure.
1: All right everybody, that's it. Episode 19 in the books. Thanks. Take care.